Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We talked about fatherless statistics. God is not fatherless to us. God is present. He is with us, and he tells us that right here in this scripture. God loves you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, and all he wants to do is sow love into your heart. He doesn't care what your past has been about. He only cares about today and your future. In today's message, I'm excited to brag on my father and tell you some of the stories from my childhood. But I'm also excited to share with you the godly example my dad has provided me over the years. He learned his fatherly skills from the greatest father of all time, God the Father. And while I can only share a portion of my dad with you, God is willing, waiting, and available to be in your life and my life full time. Uh, it is Father's Day. Congratulations to all you fathers. Uh, just like with Mother's Day, it, it occurs to me that there are those of us that have lost our fathers. We all have fathers, but some of us have lost our fathers. Some of us didn't have as good of a relationship with our fathers as his dad and I and my children do. Um, but it's still a day to honor our parents and especially our fathers. And I want to encourage you as I get into this to, to really pray about honoring your father, even if you don't feel like he deserves it. There's something amazing that happens when, when the only way I know how to say it is we take the high road, if you will. You know, we got to talking about forgiveness with, I got to talking about forgiveness with my kids and trying to explain to them that forgiveness doesn't have as much to do with the person that wronged you as it does freeing yourself up. And so there's something that comes out of honoring your father, regardless of whether you feel like he deserves that. So I just want to encourage you to do that today. I want to honor my dad uh, today. I think that'd be appropriate on Father's Day. And the best way I know how to do it is just with a few dad jokes. I heard one said, why did the boy throw the clock out of the bus window? He wanted to see time fly. They don't get any better. How do you know when you've reached the boiling point when your dad sees your report card? I forgot I was letting all the youth go out of here. That was specially for them. I, I, I got that. The, the, they can pick it up on the podcast. You know they're just itching to listen to preaching on podcast. That's some of our biggest audience right there, our, our biggest demographic. Uh, all these are in the, in the vein of dad jokes. So the question is, how do you know when a joke is a dad joke? When it's a parent. Yeah, when it's a parent. Uh, and I heard one more for you, and then I'll move on. said uh, there were these three uh, men in the waiting room of a hospital. All of their wives were in the delivery rooms giving birth to their, to their babies. And the nurse came out to deliver the news at the same time. So she goes to the first proud father and just congratulates him and lets him know he's the proud father of twins. And he's just so excited over Jordan. He says, you know, that, that's a coincidence too. I, I work for the Minnesota Twins. She goes to the next father and says, congratulations to you. You're, you're a father of triplets. And he goes, man, that is, that's awesome. Matter of fact, that's coincidental too. I work for the 3M company. And about the time that third father had left the room and was banging his head against the wall, and the nurse came over and said, Sir, sir, are you okay? He said, I am. I'm just really worried about what you're about to tell me. I work for the 7-Up company. <laughs> Mark couldn't be with us here today, but I was thinking of him when I, when I read that joke. <laughs> uh, 
You know, I asked my kids, uh, dad asked that, uh, somebody asked dad that question about what's the one memory you have, and I asked my kids, if, I could, if you could have me tell one story from the pulpit, what would you have me tell? And some of the things they talked about were, were what we call FFT, forced family time. Uh, I don't know about you, but I had to institute a rule, you know, forced family time. I don't care if you want to spend time with me or not, you're going to spend time with me, and we're going to have game night. It's interesting, if you do that enough times, they don't complain as badly, because that's also a rule as well. You're not allowed to be in a bad mood, and you have to suck it up and be happy. And you can't just be happy to fake it. If I can tell that you're faking it, we got a problem. So you got to be a good actor sometimes on forced family night, but, it, but it's a lot of fun. And they, they actually have gotten to the point, they, they'll do that to each other. We'll have one of the three boys that doesn't want to be a part of family time that night, and, and either Hunter or Levi look at me and, and say, Dad, Dad, FFT, FFT, forced family time. We'll play game night. They've gotten to the point now they love game night because they know they can beat me. I can't, I can't seem to win. Not only can I not win, I've told you before, they can spot all my lies. I try to deceive them in some of the games we play because that's part of the game, and it never works out real well for me. But the story that they thought was the most appropriate, I guess, was called the suit-tie story. And all of my kids texted me back and included this one in their request. They hadn't talked to each other. Hunter was away at college. Matter of fact, very glad to have him here today. He's, uh, he came all the way here just for Father's Day. He's got to go back this afternoon. I really appreciate that, Hunter. Thank you, buddy. Eddie is a victim of uh, COVID-19 from the standpoint of it's finally starting to, to uh, go away and businesses are open back up, so he's having to work today. So he had plans to be here, but he had to go back and start working like a, a real boy again. And then, of course, Levi is here with me as well. But they said the, the, they call it the zip tie story, and I call it the suit tie story. One of the things that I remember about that story is we were all together as a family. We were traveling to a baseball tournament. I think we were in Louisiana, so it was a pretty long trip in the car. And uh, I, I am a fan of Justin Timberlake. I hope you don't hold that against me. But I think he's a pretty good singer, a pretty good dancer. I like him. I like his music. And he had just come out with a new album. We were listening to it. And he talked about putting on his suit and tie. And he'd say, zip, tie, zip, tie. That was part of the story. And I was singing along, you know. And the kids were like, Dad, what are you saying? They were really, you know, what are, what are you, why are you singing that? And I said, because it's catchy. I enjoy it. He goes, Dad, he's not saying zip, tie, zip, tie. And then they got to picking on me. Dad, when have you ever had a tie that zipped up? Zip, tie. <laughs> Evidently. Evidently, he was saying a bad word right then, and I was just singing along. I wasn't saying the bad word, but I knew they were wrong. Not Justin Timberlake. He puts out clean songs. They might get a little bit, you know, romantic, but they're clean songs. And so uh, I told them they were wrong. And I got so confident in my, my uh, self that I, I even told Hunter, I, I bet you $5, buddy, that I'm right. So they looked it up online, and I was wrong. And I, I, I took on the persona of my younger brother then, and I just told them that they were wrong, that whoever typed up those lyrics online typed them up wrong. I couldn't possibly be wrong, but uh, I was wrong. And I asked him, I said, <laughs> Josh is fussing at me right now from the front row there. I, I asked them why that was their favorite story. Of all the stories they could tell about me, why was that their favorite? And they said, well, first of all, it was just funny. I mean, you... They said, Dad, you never get that confident where you're willing to bet. You never bet anything on it. And so it was just hilarious that you were that confident and that wrong. 
and they really got a kick out of seeing that. Uh, but they also remembered all the family time, and just it was just a lot of fun to them. They really enjoyed it. What I was concerned with was I, I asked them for a story that I could tell from the pulpit. And as a father, you're thinking, man, I, I've really done a great job of teaching them respect and manners and about Jesus, and all they want to talk about is how I misunderstood the song and said zip tie when it was something else. But that's what sticks out to them is the fun we have together, which builds open doors for us to be able to have some of those conversations. I know when I think of my dad, I think of things like that as well. One of the first things I thought of was that he loves to pick on me. He really enjoys that. He loves it so much. He, he, he was doing it as recently as Friday while we were playing golf. I was, I was beating him. Granted, Josh brought the ultra, ultimate secret weapon, the grandkids. So dad was a little distracted, and I was beating him pretty good. And so we get to a par three, and I double bogeyed it. That means I shot, took me five strokes to get it in the hole when it should only take you three. But I thought I had bogeyed it. I thought I had shot four. And so I tell dad, who parred the hole, I tell him, hey, you got a stroke back. You know, you're, you're closer to me than you were before. And rather than saying, I, I think you double bogeyed. No, he took great delight in spelling out for me. He goes, one, two, three, four, five. I think you double bogeyed that hole. I'm not exaggerating at all. He had a blast laying on me and picking on me. And I fussed at him and we went along and I realized I was more upset the fact that he was right that I double bogeyed it than I was that he was picking on me. But, but you know, my dad's done that to me my whole life. I don't know about your dad. I got to imagine I'm not the only one. I do it to my kids as well. And one of the other stories that I remember about my dad is when I was younger, I don't remember exactly what age, but I had an ingrown toenail. Anybody ever had an ingrown toenail? Ooh, it hurt bad. I mean, it, it hurt so bad, I was willing to go to the doctor to do something about it. And my dad, being the supportive, loving father that he is, continued to tease me and let me know just how bad it was going to hurt. They might even have to take the whole toe. I better brace myself. This is my loving father. So now I'm scared to death, but it hurts so bad, I go in there, and so they... God got him back for me a little bit, though, because they went and they put a shot in my toe to, to numb it before they did anything to it. And all of a sudden, I see my dad. He's still picking on me up until the time they put that shot in the toe. And go, Whoo, I wouldn't want to be you, buddy. That's going to hurt. Then he's looking down, and all of a sudden, I see him kind of flinch a little bit, and he sits down. And I realize he's seen that needle go in my toe, and it's no longer a game to him either, and he's gotten a little woozy. From seeing, he said, I was good till it looked like that needle bent. I don't know what happened, but. <laughs> you know, I think he gets it from Grandam, though. And Grandam is also not a respecter of persons. He don't mind picking on Dad. He don't mind picking on me. He don't mind picking on Josh or my kids. And I'll, I'll never forget one of the ways he did that to me. When I was growing up, I was a lot skinnier than I am now, like most of us, right? And. I would go to his house for cookouts and stuff, but I was trying to watch my weight for wrestling. And he was constantly trying to get me to eat more, constantly trying to get me to eat more. Fast forward about a decade, and I walk up to him, and he goes, where'd you get that shirt, Omar the tent maker? <laughs> so what happened to the days you're trying to get me to eat? He thought that was hilarious. So I assume my dad got it from his dad, and who got it from his dad? You know, my dad likes to play doctor. If you know my mom, 
She's watched so many doctor shows, she actually really does give good advice to the point that I'll call her a lot of times before I'll go to the doctor because she'll be right nine out of ten times. She really will be. Uh, she, she, is, she is that closet doctor. She wanted to be a doctor, I think, and just didn't realize it in time. So she became the next closest thing, a school teacher. So she taught people that could become doctors. But my dad, I guess, hanging around her, thought that it's, it rubbed off on him for some reason. And also being a dad, you know, we're financially conscious and so when we look at our kids, they're really hurt or not hurt based on how much money we have in the bank account at that point in time. And I'm leaning on the fence one day in the backyard, and it's one with the spikes just barely up. And I'm, my friend messes around with me. And the short version is I end up, the, that fence kind of tears part of my hand. And uh, I go into the house, and it's hurting pretty good. And Dad looks at it, and I guess he looked at the bank account and told me that I'd be just fine. I didn't need any stitches. It'd be all right. And my mother, being the doctor that she is, told him, we're going to the doctor. And turns out I needed five stitches. Dad was wrong in that case. Not to be outdone, as Josh is getting a little older, he's skateboarding down the street, and a car is coming, and he can't quite get it stopped, so he just bails out and jumps. And when he does, he hurts his, hurts his shoulder real bad. And he comes into the house, and Dad looks at it, and I guess looked at the bank account and told him he was just fine. He was probably just dislocated a little bit. So dad, I guess because he'd seen so many doctor shows watching my mama, knew that he was well-trained to do this, grabbed his arm just like he saw on the TV shows and yanked it. It didn't work. As a matter of fact, it didn't work so much that as my mother took him to the doctor, the doctor, after looking at the x-rays, said, man, that is a really unique break. I've never seen one separated like that. And my mother looked at the doctor and said, almost as if somebody yanked on it. And the doctor said, yeah, but who would do that? <laughs> my mama said, my husband, that's who. That's my dad being the doctor. You know, he's sometimes jealous. He told you a few weeks ago that Josh quit looking to him for advice and money, and he'd come to me. Of course, what Josh didn't know was I'd gotten a hold of dad's a debit card and Texco card, and that's how we were living high off the hog. It wasn't really me. But Josh enjoyed that so much, if he didn't like the answer he got from Dad, he'd come to me to see if it was okay. Could he do this or that? So Dad's a little jealous of that kind of stuff. But he's also, he's also a coach for me. He, he's the coach, and my mother was the megaphone. You know, I was the catcher behind home plate, and Dad would be sitting in the stands, and he'd be kind of just talking, not necessarily trying to coach me, but just kind of, Herman, frame it up, you know? Hold it right there just so they can see it a little bit longer. My mama, being the good wife, would hear dad and then yell it louder. Herman, frame it up. Herman, call the fastball. Herman, do this, do that. Uh, he would also call my mom down when she would get a little bit overly excited for bad calls from the umpire. And uh, it's funny to me that he would calm her down because Tammy shared a story with me that I'd forgotten about, about dad. And as he's become a grandparent, evidently he has done away with that calmness. Now he wants to know immediately what's wrong with Eddie anytime he went down on the soccer field as if I'm right there on the field with him and know what happened. You want me to dial him up right now? Let me just grab my phone and call him right now. And just, Eddie, dad needs to know what's wrong. Are you going back in the game? He, he didn't answer. You want me to go over there? 
I didn't ever ask that question because his answer would have been yes, go over there. But it got worse because not only was he not calm during those situations, but now if the coaches didn't do right by him, he wanted to let them know how they had done wrong. My dad never approached coaches like that when I was growing up. And Tammy says the only reason he didn't actually go over there was because she'd begin to cry, and tears evidently are my dad's kryptonite. I told Tammy that's girl tears because boy tears didn't work at all. <laughs> but he's also a proud father. And when I asked him about some of the stories, you know, he talked a lot uh, about you too, Josh, and David, if you end up listening to this, but I'm preaching today, so I'm going to tell the stories about me. One of his favorite stories uh, was in high school. I was a pretty good hitter. It's what got me on the baseball team. And so we were playing summer league, and one of, one of the opposing coaches was kind of telling the team how to line up. He's going he's gonna to hit it to left field, so I hit it to right field. Next time I came up, he said, he hit it right last time. They'd shade over there. I hit it to left field. So, okay, so the third time I came up, they shaded me to left field. I hit it up the middle. Fourth time I came up, the coach yelled out, it doesn't matter. He's going to hit it where you're not. The great thing about that was my dad thought that was just an awesome story. He was just super proud. Herman was in the zone. That was his kid that was wreaking havoc on the other team. And I'm sure you have these stories as well to some extent or another. You can probably think about your parents, especially your father, um, you know, being proud of you. I hope you can anyway. You see, I'm pretty proud of my dad too. And one of the things I'm proud of my father for is for leaving a legacy. One of the things that he said recently really struck a chord with me. And he was telling a story about him and Grandam. And Grandam was kind of disappointed with himself because he felt like there would be no inheritance to leave my uncle and my dad. There'd be no financial inheritance, mainly because he's been blessed and lived so long. He's had to use all of the resources that he's had to support himself. You know, my dad told him that he didn't need his money. He would take all the time he could get with him. That was, that was all that he needed his inheritance. But it was what he said next that really, really captured me, because I think we all feel that way. I hope we do. I hope that we feel that way about our parents, that we want as much time as we can get with them. But he told his dad, my grandfather, he said, you know, you don't realize, but you've been giving me my inheritance my entire life. You've been pouring blessings and gifts and legacy into me my entire life. I've been collecting my inheritance since the day I was born. Think about that. We all have that opportunity, dads, to pour into our children, okay? Inheritance in the world's terms is a, is a financial thing. But all the security our children really need is eternal security. And if we pass those lessons along to them, then we have left them the greatest inheritance, and we have built the best, most lasting legacy. You see, one of my favorite scriptures in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, I don't have that one on the slides, but it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, loving not their own lives even unto death. It's talking about us overcoming the enemy, overcoming Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Now, we've talked about testimony being something that we've experienced. As kids, we experience our parents. Testimony doesn't always mean good, and I didn't think about that. We all have a testimony. What we want to have is a testimony that's filled with good that's filled with Jesus, that's filled with lessons from heaven. That's what I feel like my father has done for me. He has begun to leave that lasting legacy, passing it down for generation to generation. 
And he's done that through the Word of God. And so my testimony has been built on a solid foundation that was helped laid by my father. You know, if you look at some of the statistics in the United States alone, there are over 72 million fathers in the United States. There are twenty over 24 million fathers that are in two-person or married with kids under 18. Two million single fathers. You know, we always talk about the single mothers, but I never talk about single fathers. That's 17% of all single-parent households or single-father households. Now, obviously, that's way more mothers that are single mothers, but we don't even talk about the single fathers and the battles and the obstacles that they face trying to raise children. And let's talk about that for just a minute. In the Bible, God set up the two-person household, man and woman, to be helpmates. He gave men certain characteristics to, to pass down to their children, and he gave women certain characteristics to pass down to their children. Women can try to do as much as they can, but if you don't have that father in their lives, there's something missing. Now, thankfully, we serve a God that can feel that need, but that's not the way he intended it. But the other is true as well. Think about the fathers that are trying to fill the nurturing role of the mother. That's just as difficult. If, In my opinion, I think it's more difficult. Sometimes kids need that nurturing hand, and we a lot of times as men and as fathers don't always know how to do that. 33% of children live with their birth father. Think about what that statistic also tells you. It also tells you that 67% don't live with their birth father. And while I'm very appreciative of those stepfathers that have stepped up, that's not the way God intended it. There's nothing we can do about what's been done. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's something we can do about today and in the future. And if we train our children, especially our male sons, right, if we train them properly on what it means to be a father, then we can help change these statistics towards the positive. In 1960, 9.1% were single parents, single-parent households. By 2012, that number has doubled. It's risen to 20 0.7%. And this statistic really broke my heart. 90% of runaway and homeless children come from fatherless households. And 71% of all high school dropouts come from a fatherless home. The role of the father in a child's life cannot be overstated. It is huge. Men need that in their lives. Boys need that in their lives. I told you a story on Mother's Day where I came into the laundry room and I threw socks at my mama because I just didn't want to do laundry that day. I didn't want to put them up. She'd washed them, dried them, folded them. All I had to do was put them away. And she reminded me that in a few hours, my dad would be coming home. And I had a moment of clarity. And I decided to pick those socks up and apologize and put those away. Because I knew while my dad never really ever threatened to kill me, the possibility always existed. What I'm telling you is, because he was in my life, my mother had additional help to help control me during those tough times. The father is extremely important in a young man's life, extremely important. You know, I get to thinking about the legacy of my father, and he passed down so many things to me. I am the man I am today because of him. My mother will tell you that I, I, have, I have a hero worship complex when it comes to my dad. And I do feel like he's godlike. 
but I'm glad that he is like God. When I think of examples I read in the Bible, oftentimes I will think about how my father showed that to me through his life, in my life. I think of the example he provided to me, and that is so invaluable. I just can't put a price on that. To have a man in my life to show me how God loves us unconditionally, I didn't have to just read about it. I experienced it. So fathers, think about that. We're not going to be perfect, but we got to be thinking about the fact that we are having an impact on our children every single day. And as we make an impact on them, are our children seeing God through us? My dad even showed me God through mistakes. When I made mistakes, he was very forgiving. But he showed me about making mistakes through his own life. He would make mistakes, and he would ask forgiveness. He was open about that. And he showed me how to ask for forgiveness. He showed me how to forgive myself. It's so priceless to have that example in children's lives. Many times as men, we don't want to say we're sorry. We're taught not to cry. We're taught not to be soft. The reality is the children look to us for everything, just like they do the mothers. And sometimes what they need to see is that even men can be soft and nurturing. There are times when that needs to happen. And what's amazing to me is I saw that firsthand through my father. If you didn't get to see that through your father, I'm sorry. I wish you had. But the great thing is you have that opportunity today to be that example to someone, to be that example to your children right now, even if they're grown up. I'll go back to something we talked about last week. The enemy is going to try to disqualify you. You may not have a great relationship with your kids right now. You may go to them apologetically asking forgiveness, and they may not grant it. Stay the course. Don't let the enemy disqualify you for past actions. In time, that constant love you show will be reciprocated. That unconditional love you show will be reciprocated. Your children will see the change over time. And God will work on their hearts just like he worked on your heart. Do not allow yourself to be disqualified from promoting Jesus in your kids' lives. You know, the best example we have of a father is God. The best legacy we have is from God. Look at what it says in Matthew, the 28th chapter. We read this last week. I'm using similar scriptures. But I want, to see a, I want you to see a different part of this. That's how amazing the Bible is to me. I used it for one purpose last week. I'm using it for a different purpose this week, and they don't contradict. Last week, we talked about going and making disciples and building relationships. This week, I want you to focus on the part of the Scripture that reminds us that God is with us always and forever. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We talked about fatherless statistics. God is not fatherless to us. God is present. He is with us, and he tells us that right here in this scripture. You know, just like our parents did, God teaches us about life, and he teaches us about our enemy. In Ephesians 6, 12, last week, it was read to us again, same way. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Why did God leave us this scripture to remind us each and every day who we are fighting? We teach our kids about good, bad, evil, morals, right? We teach them what to watch out for. God is teaching us through this scripture here. Please know that your enemy is one of spiritual forces. Stop looking just at what you're seeing in the flesh. Get on your knees and pray. Seek me. I'll teach you how to overcome the enemy. You see, even in the scripture, 1 Peter 5, 8, where it says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Do you know why Satan prowls around like a roaring lion? Because the job of roaring lion has been filled up already by God the Father. That position has been taken. He is the Lion of Judah. Why is that important? Because sometimes we need a strong father to step in and save the day for us. And that is what God will do for us. He will step in as the lion, not like a lion, not pretending to be the lion, but he is the lion. And we can have safety and security knowing that he's got our back. You know, growing up, I didn't get in trouble a lot, mainly because I learned that punishment came with getting in trouble, and I I didn't like punishment. And so I learned very quickly, quicker than my brothers, that if I would just go along, I could get along, but I could get a lot more reward than punishment. We don't like punishment all the time. You know, God doesn't come here to punish us. He didn't send Jesus to punish us. He sent him to free us. He has rules in place to help us be the best we can, to live the most abundant life. He tells us that here in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God's saying, I came down to help you realize that you're not living the most fulfilling, abundant life you can. But I'm going to show you how, and it's because of me, Jesus came to give us life abundant. See, the rules, the scriptures, the boundaries are not in place to cause us problems or to cause us pain or to make us feel like that we're not able to have any fun while we're here on earth. It's the opposite. If we'll follow the rule that he's given us, then we'll have an abundant life. We'll have a fun life. We'll have the best life we possibly can. You see, one of the other lies that we buy into from time to time is that God doesn't love us. It's just the opposite. God the Father loves us so much. He tells us in Genesis 1.27, he said, God created man in his own image. He loved us so much, he made us like him, just like him. You know, one of the proudest moments in my life is when somebody says, man, you look just like your dad. You sound just like your dad. I said, yes, sir. I know people that would not be happy about that. You sound just like your dad. They would get upset and angry because they don't have that relationship with their father that way. But today is a new day. Thankfully, I have that relationship with my father. You can provide that relationship to your kids, that they're proud that you're their dad. God prepares us for life's battles. He reminds us to be strong in him, in the strength of God's might, put on the full armor of God. He, he told us how to go to battle. He didn't just say, look out for the, for the enemy. He said, let me tell you how to go to work on the enemy. See, growing up, my daddy didn't just tell me what to look out for. He told me how to, how to handle the situation if I ever found myself in it. That's what God the Father does for us. 
God the Father shows us not only what to look out for, but how to handle it when we come up against it. And then he told us the most important rules to follow. You know, we have all these different things vying for our attention, all these different rules, all these different paths to follow. And so God our Father, just like my daddy did for me, he simplified it for me. He simplified it for us. He told us simply in Matthew 22, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, and with all your soul. And then he told us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Those two simple things. And when we don't know how to do that, we should seek the kingdom first, right? goes on later to tell us, seek ye first the kingdom of God. When we do that, we learn how to love the way God the Father loved. I've seen my daddy love unconditionally. I've talked with many people in this church, and the first thing they tell me is they love my daddy. Why do they love my daddy? Because he has a heart of gold, because he loves people. And they see that. You know, God the Father is who put that in him. God the Father is the one that showed us that example. He showed us that example by first making us, and then he sent a, he gave instructions on how to build a temple so that he could come down amongst us, and then he sent his only son to die for us. He wants to be with us. He loves us that much. He keeps giving us ways to be with him. We should see that example in our fathers. Fathers, we should be that example to our children. They should see these things in us. See, John 3.16 reminds us that God sent his only son to die for everyone. I got mad at my dad a few times growing up because I didn't understand. He'd start inviting everybody over for Christmas. want to be around so-and-so. It's for our family. It's not for his family. It's our turn. My dad, being a great man, really understanding the big picture, took all that. You see, I didn't just think those thoughts. I said those things to him. And then I got my brothers to help gang up on him. I got my mama to help gang up on him. We all poured it on him. And he just took it, and he just took it. Why? Because he understood the reality. Fast forward several years. Now I get to help out for Thanksgiving to invite everybody that doesn't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving. Well, we invite everybody, but we understand you can't always make it. But I look forward to that now. I'm not complaining anymore because I understand the value of what he did. He was showing people love just like God showed him and to us. He was showing the heart of the Father. He passed that down to me in spite of my misunderstandings and my immaturity. Now, I still love family time with just me and my blood relatives because it's special. And I love being around my dad. I don't like to share him all the time. But I understand better why I need to share him. And I understand it better because I've grown up a little bit more, but also because he continues to pour out into me, not just with his words, but with his actions. We go to lunch, and he's constantly loving on the waiters and waitresses. He's constantly pouring life into them, speaking life over them, praying life into them. And I see this over and over and over again. You see, I've had conversations with people about how we become the people we become. When we're born, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say here because it can easily be twisted. I get that we're born into sin, and only God can cleanse us of that sin. But we don't come out robbing a bank. We don't come out murdering somebody. We don't come out of the womb with all of these things in our heart. 
It's because of the examples we see. It's because of what's being put into our life. It's what's being spoken over us. It's what we're being told over and over and over again. And then you mix that with the fact that we, are, we don't want to be labeled as bad people, and we begin to justify our actions until we talk ourselves into whatever we're doing as being okay and right. Why? Because we see that example over and over and over again. So guess what the solution is? The same thing I just told you. If we see the example of God over and over and over again, if we see selfless love over and over and over again, if we see God's heart over and over and over again, guess what the people that we're showing that to begin to think? That God's love really does work. That God really is who he says he is. But they need to see that in us. They need to see us actually loving our neighbors. They need to see us loving our fellow man. Fathers, our children need to see us loving them in spite of their mistakes, in spite of their pushback, in spite of their immaturity. And thankfully, that's what I got to see from my dad day in and day out. So for me, a lot of times, I don't always understand the other side and the other perspective, and I miss it. I don't always understand why people don't get it. But I forget I've had 45 years of my dad continuing to pour Jesus into my life from day one. The great thing is that my kids have experienced that as well. Because not only can they come to me and their mother, but they can go to my dad and my, my, my mom. They can go to my grandfather. They've got multiple people they can go to that will pour the love of Jesus into their hearts. And that's what happens when you begin to set up generational legacy. That's what will begin to happen when you begin to pour into your kids and they pour into their kids and they pour into their kids. That's what Josh and the praise and worship team were singing about this morning with the blessing of the Father. I'm almost done here. I just want to tell you God loves all of us. That's why I said he sent his son for whoever. And the Galatians 3 reminds us it doesn't matter who we are. I spent a lot of time last week telling you that Satan doesn't care who you are. And I want to tell you right now, God doesn't care who you are either. Think about that for a second. Satan doesn't care who he's devouring. God doesn't care who he's loving. God loves you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, and all he wants to do is sow love into your heart. He doesn't care what your past has been about. He only cares about today and your future. So just like Satan, God doesn't care who you are either. More importantly, he knows who you are. Satan doesn't. He doesn't care what you've done may be a better way to say that. We need to begin to see ourselves and care who we are through the Father's eyes. We have a problem happening in our country and all over our world right now where people don't know who they are. We need to show them who they are through love. We need to help them understand that God created them special. And fathers, we especially need to be involved in our children's lives to show them this love. It's an ongoing process. It's a daily battle. I want to wish you all a happy Father's Day. I want to let you know that uh, I, I feel bad for you, uh, mainly because there's only one of my dad, and I got him. I can share him, but it's not quite the same. I got my grandfather too. I got doubly blessed. You know, I got good brothers. But what God's begun to reveal to me is that this is what he really wants for all of our families. He wants everybody. He doesn't want me to be special from the standpoint I'm the only one that has this. He wants our families 
to come together just like I had. Now, you may be in a situation today. Maybe you have a broken home. Again, what I tell you, it doesn't matter what's happened. It only matters what happens today. Again, start fresh today. You know, one of the things I'm super proud with my brother about is that he's married a, a woman that, that had two kids already. But if you ever see Josh out, you, you can't pick his kids out that he had with, with Kelly and the kids that he didn't have that, that he's a stepfather to. You, you can't tell it. Through the discipline, through the love, through everything. Now, he does dote on Rosalie a little bit more than anybody else. But now, she is the first Mason girl in a long, long time. And he talks real big to me on the phone about it that he's going to shut her down. I've not seen it happen yet. She normally gets whatever she wants. But in general, in general, though, you can't pick out who's, who he's the natural father of, birth father of, and who he's the stepfather of. Because he's embraced his situation, and he loves those kids unconditionally. Especially dads today, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. Embrace your kids and love them unconditionally regardless. If you have people you can reach out to to be that father figure, notice the statistics talked about the fatherless. And as a teacher, I'll tell you that the best situation is a birth father that understands the love of God that can pour that into their kids. But it is also good to have a male figure that can pour fatherly love into a son especially. We need that. You can be that to someone that doesn't have that. Reach out to a single mom. If they don't have that, be that to that kid. Teach them about Jesus. Be that father to them as much as they'll allow you to be. But love them unconditionally. I just want to pray for you. You've already had the Father's blessing spoken over you. And so I just want to kind of pray for you here. And I appreciate you listening. I hope that you've been blessed today. I uh, just hope you'll go and, like I said, honor your fathers and hug their necks and tell them that you love them. And uh, just be blessed today. But guess what? God the Father is blessing each and every one of us. Father God, thank you today for being our Father. Thank you for showing us the enemy and exposing him for us and showing us how to overcome him, Father. Thank you for being there for us regardless. Thank you for loving us unconditionally, Lord God, regardless of who we are, where we come from, or what we do, Lord. Thank you that you love us. You love us so much you came and you died on the cross to save us. Father God, I pray for those that are in a fatherless situation Please send somebody to fill that hole right now in the name of Jesus. For the fathers that are absent from the family, Lord, please arrest their hearts. Convict them right now in the name of Jesus that they might turn over a new leaf and, and, and accept the role that you have put them in, Father. Lord, please just bless each and every person as we go from here. Lord, we, thank, we say thank you for fathers everywhere. Lord, we just thank you for you especially. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you 
is manifesting itself to you, it will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.